what the principle in play is that the universe is absolutely perfect. Everything you could possibly want, everything you could envision already exists in this universe and on this planet, right? Yeah. But until you start out on a path and start looking for something, you'll never see the evidence of it. But the minute you start out, you'll go, oh, there's something. I could use that in my business. Oh, so you'll speak to somebody else. Oh, my God, I didn't know you knew that person. I could go talk to them. You know, all this stuff just starts falling in your lap because you've started out on a path. Now, if, you've, if you don't start, you'll never have any of this input. Welcome to the Habits to Goals podcast with Martin Grunberg. It's time to take control of your life. Are you ready to achieve goals faster and more consistently than ever before? You need the habit factor. You're listening to Habits to Goals, the podcast that helps you create the habits that lead to success. And here is Martin Grunberg. All righty, here we go. Welcome back. Thank you very much very much for joining us. My name is Martin Grunberg. You have reached Habits to Goals today. It is such an honor. We have a true legend, I want to say, in the studio. He's just a few miles up the road. Mr. Brian Smith, the creator, the founder of UG the brand. Mr. Brian Smith, how are you doing, sir? Doing great, Martin. Thanks a lot for having me. It is, as I was telling you in the open, it's it's so amazing. It's such a great honor to have you on the show. Uh, your book is phenomenal. The book is The Birth of a Brand. Now, I've said this before. I know your story very well. I've heard you speak. Brian's a fantastic speaker. Again, a fantastic book. But before we go any deeper, Brian, the first thing we like to do is kick this off with the GTR, which is the Good Things Report. So having said that, would you like to, would you like to go first or shall I? No, I'll go first. Uh, this is unusual. Uh, the best thing that happened this week is I <clears throat> took my grandson to his first rugby practice. He's six years old. Wow. And he had an absolute blast. And uh, I'm sort of pleased because rugby is one of the greatest equalizing games of, you know, people and characters uh, because it takes such teamwork. And, I back in my day, I played against uh, England and I played against the New Zealand All Blacks. Oh. So I, I played at a very high level, and uh, my my grandson is homeschooled, so he doesn't get the interaction and gets doesn't get beaten down enough. Uh, <laughs> so, um, not that anybody needs that, but <laughs> sure they do. Watching him come into this group of 20, 20 or so seven or eight year olds. Uh, he's having to sort of stand up for himself, and it, it's tough for him. So it's a great character builder. So that that was my uh, great thing that happened to me this week. That is a phenomenal GTR, and and I I know where you're coming from. Um, six years old, 
is seems a bit early to get get indoctrinated into the world of rugby, but um, having or coming from your lineage, uh, it seems to make a lot of sense. And of course, if you haven't figured this out, Brian is from Australia. Yep, there you where go. Rugby, where rugby is massive. Yep. So, it's uh, down there. from from my end of things, my GTR is fairly simple. Other than first being incredibly grateful for you joining the show tomorrow, of course, is Thanksgiving. There is a ton to be grateful for. Spoke to the parents earlier. I got my daughter in town. She's just about finished her first. Uh, semester at college up in LA and then and then the other daughters here and then we're going to go spend time with more family and um, it's just again a lot to be grateful for and it's just a great time of year to kind of reset and acknowledge that so I'm keeping my GTR simple but that's it gratitude that's right so so Brian there's so many. My notes are like overflowing. Um, but let's take it back. Let's go back to Australia. You you're coming out of high school. I know there's a pivotal pivotal moment later in your twenties. But but kind of where where you grew up in the world, where you went to high school, and then kind of work your way through. I'm assuming I can't recall if you went to university or not. And then and then we'll we'll get up to that that key point in your, in your twenties here. Okay. Well, <laughs> I was born in a city called Canberra, which not a lot of Americans know, but it's the capital of Australia and uh, went to high school there. And I, my last years in high school were all about rugby and chasing girls and stuff. So I didn't, get, <laughs> I didn't get an academic pass that got me into university. So I had to decided to, Join an accounting firm, <laughs> an accountant, and uh, study at night time, which I did for a couple of years. Moved to Sydney and continued it there. And then I moved to Perth on the other side of the country. And after 10 years, I finally graduated. I, you know, I, I hated accounting, I hated the study. And, and the day I graduated, I quit. Because I really, I really felt the urge to do something for myself, but I, I had no idea what. And uh, for you know a few weeks, I was sort of just tooling around trying to figure out what I'm going to do. And, and one morning, I was meditating. And you know, this is 40 years ago. I, I found meditation through yoga, a yoga book that I found, um, and I was. Uh, you know, in the middle of this meditation, trying to figure out what uh, to do. And I, just before that, I'd, I'd put on an album, which was like, I just discovered Pink Floyd at the time. Awesome. And uh, I uh, got into the Dark Side of the Moon album for the first time. And the second song was, uh, the words, and then one day you find 10 years have got behind you. No one told you okay, when to run. You missed the starting gun. And that's when I realized, you know, shit. <laughs> All my friends are tracking off to partnerships 
you know, in, in accounting and other friends had started their own businesses. So by the time I got into this meditation, I, I had this aha that, wow, all the big trends are coming out of California. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to go to California and I'm going to find the next big thing like Levi jeans or waterbeds or some surf brand. And I'm going to bring it back to Australia and make my fortune. That's, that's genius. Can I interrupt you here for a second and press pause? Sure. I want to, I, I know I shared this with you for the listener. Hopefully nobody gets in trouble here is the song and the lyrics that shifted Brian's life. And I'm sure (laughs) perhaps thousands of others, if not millions. Here we go. I just had to do this, Brian. Okay. Yeah, well, that that hit me like electricity. Ah, It's hitting uh, me now. I swear I got goosebumps. It's incredible. Yeah, and I got goosebumps at the time, I remember. And and that, it's amazing how the words of songs can be so transformative. And that one literally launched me. uh, Within two weeks, I'd bought a ticket and I arrived in Los Angeles with my surfboard and my suitcase and i rented a little house in santa monica and went straight up to malibu surfing because that that had always been one of my big dreams i'd grown up surfing in australia and uh you know it was you know several months up there i i I thought i'd find some some new big thing really quickly but it dragged on and on and on and it was up (laughs) three or four months making tons of friends up at malibu that (laughs) finishing up a surf one you know it'd be got october november the the water was getting really chilly and the wind was cold and and i remember getting out of the water and i pulled on my sheepskin boots that i'd brought from australia and i went oh my god there are no sheepskin boots in america and one in two australians own some sort of sheepskin footwear so i just immediately like every entrepreneur when they have their aha right whoa i'm going to be an instant millionaire (laughs) <laughs> Can it, so let's back up a uh, couple of quick thoughts. How, how is it you tripped into, into yoga and meditation? Because, you know, there's this great saying, it's like um, space is the home of the awakened mind. And, and I, I think, I, I think you're, you're drawing this, this parallel to you, you, you got into yoga, which led you to meditation. It was meditation which helped spur this this creativity yeah. in this new direction. So I'm just wondering what what led you into that. Well, vanity. Vanity. Um, <laughs> it was trendy. I had a I had a roommate. You know, no, like I was in my mid twenties. Had had a a friend of mine owned this house. We had two female roommates, and ah. one of them was a real looker, and and I was really hoping I could get, you know, uh, some sort of romance going with her. And this one day this guy came over and hung out in her room for a while and, and then they left for breakfast and came back and they hung out more in her room and I, I sort of got really jealous. <laughs> anyway, that later about 9 o'clock that night he left and I went in to see her. I said, hey, you know, who, who's that guy? Is that your boyfriend? And she goes, you know, she just rolled her eyes and said, 
That was my father. Wow. And I said, you're kidding. He's so young. Incredible. And, and she said, yeah, he's been doing yoga all his life. Uh, so I, I went and bought a yoga book the next day. Genius. And, and that was like my introduction to yoga. So I wish I had something really esoteric or spiritual to tell you, but it was pure vanity. No, and I'm, I'm, I can't tell you how glad I am I asked. I mean, I love that, that little anecdote. Um, yeah. That's incredible. And then, and then the other thing before, before there was the aha about the UG, Brian, Right. You share you share a prior aha. Well, there's two. So so the first was that if I can get this correctly, that you were gonna take you were gonna take a an American trend and bring it that's right to Australia and it was gonna be like grass skiing. So share share that real quick. Yeah, well the grass skiing (laughs) <laughs> it was like that was a sort of a new thing that was happening in the world at the time. Sure. Um, they eventually had like three or four world championships, but like in Europe, all the all the big hills are grassy hills. In in California, they're all rocks. So <laughs> I I sort of tried to get that sport going at the same time as you know when I found the UG idea, but uh, it it just you know it just was impractical. Sure. To build a resort. Uh, so I love this. But that's I, the life of an entrepreneur, you know. You've you got to follow all these ideas you have because you never know which one's going to hit. Well, and that's where I was going. I, I love the story because, because one, ultimately you, ha- you had the, you know, bringing the trend to Australia and it turned out it was, it was Australia to, to America. Yeah. And then, um, and then, yeah, the, the grass game thing, which is, which is really funny, but yeah, th- those are the lessons. Those, that's the life of the entrepreneur trying things. Can I have a quick, quick minute to tell you an interesting story? Please. You got, you got all the time you want, I, sir. I just read last week that Jake Burton died. Yes. Burton is? Yes. Founder of Burton Snowboards. Yep. Back when I was trying to get the grass skiing thing going, I was at a trade show and we had this really slick presentation with a fantastic video of the Italian Olympic snow team practicing in the summer on the grassy, grassy hills in, in you know, Italy. And everything, we had uniforms and carpeted booths and everything. And when we go to the bathroom, we walk past this young guy with long hair who had this video of himself sort of dragging this board up up a, the backyard of his, you, you could see the backyard of his property, and he'd turn it around and stand on it and pick up the rope and the nose, and he'd go shush, 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 and then he'd be at the bottom, and, and he didn't even have the money to edit it. He, he had to wait for him to drag the board all the way back up the hill again for another ride. And we laughed at that kid because we thought grass skiing was going to be the next big thing. <laughs> and uh, that guy was Jake Burton. Incredible. Isn't that a good story? Well, it, it is an amazing story. And it reminded me, I had forgotten, when I was in junior high, we had a trip out to Crested Butte. And we were literally doing the same thing. They, they didn't allow snowboards onto lifts at that time. That's so, right. so we were just hiking them up hills um, and, and just kind of 
cutting our teeth, learning how to snowboard. It was crazy. Now, you must have started when I did because you know, there were only three ski areas in the country that would let you do it. Yep. When I started. Wow. All right. Well, I uh, so I, I back you up. So, so you're getting out of the water. You're putting on the UGG. You have this aha moment. And then – it's all roses and rainbows, right? <laughs> no, instant millions, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I did a little research and I found a, a small factory in Western Australia and <clears throat> called him up and uh, long story short, I became his distributor and he, I had to send a couple of hundred bucks down and bought six pairs of boots in his samples. <laughs> and so uh, I was with a buddy. We were going to do this together and – he was going to be the salesman because I was terrified of sales. I was going to be the accountant. <laughs> and so he went on the road and came back a week later with about 150 business cards of all these shoe stores and not a single order. And he told me that they, they were, you know, some, you know, you're crazy trying to bring sheepskin into California. But I knew Australia's climate's exactly the same as California, so it wasn't that. Right. <clears throat> they just didn't understand sheepskin. And so when you're an entrepreneur, you have to sort of pivot when you hit a wall like that. And we thought, okay, well, you know, eventually I thought, well, how come all my friends at Malibu think this is the best idea? And it struck me that they'd all been down, or a lot of them had been down to Australia surfing, and they bought four or five pairs of boots back for their buddies. So within the surf community, it was pretty well known. And so we pivoted and started going after the surf shops. And I started out going on the road myself and I remember the first shop I walked into, I opened the bag up and he goes, Oh man, I boots. What are you doing with those? And I <laughs> I'm thinking of importing them into America. Oh my God, you're going to make a fortune. Those things are fantastic. All my friends have got them, you know? And the next <laughs> door was, Whoa, I boots. Yeah. I got a pair. You know, got a bunch of friends who have got them. If you bring those into America, you're going to make a fortune. You know? So, this happened all the way down the coast, you know, from Malibu all the way down to the border. And uh, I couldn't believe how successful we were going to be. And my buddy and I regrouped and very flukishly we, we raised $20,000 like without even having a business plan uh, of investment. And we sent an order down to Australia for 500 pairs because we were going to need that many. We were so successful. <laughs> and... Uh, they arrived eventually like in, in early December and we moved them all into my house in Santa Monica in the third bedroom and went back out on the road again and I went straight back to the same first surf shop that I visited on my other trip and I walked in and now I had a huge duffel bag full of boots and an order pad. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, Jim, how many do you want? And he goes, oh, well done, Brian, you know, but we couldn't sell them in our store. We just sell surfboards and trunks and, you know, flip-flops. But don't worry, you're going to do great in the shoe stores. <laughs> and I went, oh, shit, you know. And after the next one, exactly the same story, all the way down the coast to Mexico. You know? And we got back, you know, Doug and I met back in my house in Santa Monica and added up the orders that we had for the first season, and it was 28 pairs. Oh my goodness! Exactly a thousand dollars. Chronic disaster. <laughs> yeah, I mean that is the 
the the roller coaster ride, if you will, of of the entrepreneur. And I'm sure going back, you you would have probably when they told you you're going to be a millionaire and you're going to sell a million, if you could do it all over again, you might be like, okay, I'm giving you an order sheet tomorrow. Let me yeah, know how many. Yeah, I should have, I should have asked for the order on the first trip. Well, I, look, I mean, hindsight hindsight's twenty twenty, and yeah. yeah. Um, but it, but it is interesting that you raised that much money that quickly. Everybody said it was going to be fantastic. Yeah. Fly off the shelves. And then when push comes to shove, they're like, uh, we, we don't, we're not selling those. Um, unreal. Every, every entrepreneur, one of the key ingredients for a good entrepreneur is to have a certain amount of ignorance because if, if you went into it, knowing everything there was, you, you wouldn't go into it. If you knew what all the cash demands were going to be, and the you know financing and production and sourcing and all that, you you wouldn't go into it. But you know, luckily I was in it. Now I, I uh, you know, I couldn't give up in a way because I had four hundred and eighty something pairs in my third bedroom. So my buddy Doug went and got another job, and I started. You know, going out to uh, swap meets and street fairs. And I had the best retail venture I had going was um, this uh, parking lot up at Malibu Beach. Mm. After surfing, I I had a full run of all the sizes and colours in the van. And I used to just stay there all day selling Ugg boots. And and the word word of mouth was amazing. But as it was, I only... Sold about five thousand that next year. But, Un- know, unreal. And, and uh, so got a, you know, I had three years of summer jobs trying to get this to take off. Yeah, and and getting rid of the inventory. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so uh, I I have a feeling you're somehow psychically reading off my uh, my sheet here because I had circled that the the ignorance comment the the fact that. All entrepreneurs have some level, and it, and it's a positive. It sounds yeah, it's sounds almost, sounds negative, it's but almost a requirement. Yeah, yeah, and and so I, I thought that was such a great comment. One of the things we do on this show. So on Wednesdays the interviews come out, but Mondays and Friday Mondays we do something called Mind Bullets, and. And when I was rereading your book, I circled that, and I'm like, that is going to be. So I'm warning the audience that's going to be a mind bullet. The, okay, the, cool. the the ability to act without seeing the entire staircase to to just see one step and then the other and then the other it's obviously it's ideal to see the entire staircase but but no entrepreneur does and and they're moving forward with with faith and gut instinct and yeah. and that's that's another uh thing you mentioned so often Brian yeah, can, can In, I speak to Yep. Go yeah, ahead. That, that intuition. It's uh, there's this fabulous saying that's been around thousands of years that once you start out on a path, the universe will conspire to work with you. Yep. You heard that? And that's like thousands of years old. And and here's I'm going to interpret it for your audience, right? Yep. Providence moves when, too. When's the last time you saw an advertisement for a refrigerator? <laughs> I, I have no idea. Okay, no, nobody knows, right? No, no, nobody can answer that question. But <laughs> if you needed a refrigerator this weekend, 
you would start seeing ads, you know, at Starbucks, someone would leave the classified ads out and you'd right. see refrigerator ads. You'd be on TV or Facebook or, or, you know, YouTube and you'd see refrigerator ads. You'd be driving down the street and you'd be looking in windows and seeing refrigerator stores. And what the principle in play is that the universe is absolutely perfect. Everything you could possibly want, everything you could envision already exists in this universe and on this planet, right? Yeah. But until you start out on a path and start looking for something, you'll never see the evidence of it. But the minute you start out, you'll go, oh, there's something. I could use that in my business. Oh, so you'll speak to somebody else. Oh, my God, I didn't know you knew that person. I could go talk to them. You know, all this stuff just starts falling in your lap because you've started out on a path. Now, if you if you don't start, you'll never have any of this input. But once you do start, even though you don't know where the hell you're headed in the you have a vague idea that you're going to be a brilliant millionaire, but you really don't know how. The how happens as you start out and start, you know, begin. The how just automatically attracts itself to you. So that's my interpretation in layman's terms on that saying that the universe will conspire to work with you. It's infallible. Every time I start out on a new project, you just go on, on the computer, punch in something, and there's your first your first lead to take off, you know, and it's amazing how if you keep doing that, you'll zero in on getting better and better and better at what it is you you started out to do. I I think it's Goethe and, and meaning the quote and, and it goes back. It's like Providence moves too. It's like you, you have to move first and then Providence moves too or follows. And, it's, uh, yeah, I think you're absolutely spot on. And, you know, what's funny to me about science, air quotes, is science always comes around after and, and tries to reverse engineer. And I mean, not that science <laughs> is bad, but, but they try to, they try to explain and validate why things work a certain way. So, so what you were describing about the fridge, the refrigerator is, I think they call it the reticulating activating device or something like this. It's, it's something in your mind. So if you, if you buy a VW bug, all of a sudden everybody's got a VW bug. Exactly right. Yeah. (laughs) And, and, and it's very well put, sir, that, that, that when, and I hadn't thought about it this way, when you're moving down that path, now you're open and you're looking for those things that are, it's, it's a puzzle. So all of a sudden that piece fits where it wouldn't have meant anything if you didn't take that first step. So, and and if, uh, you were, if you hadn't thought of your path, you could go down that same street, see the identical scene, and it wouldn't mean anything because you don't have a goal. Yeah. So, I mean, it's incredible. So there is so much content here, Brian. One, one thing I want to share with, uh, make sure that the listener understands, the audience understands, is is Brian not only faced extreme adversity from the outset, from the outside, but later as the brand grew and they started getting traction, there was tremendous adversity from within, whether it was investors, partners. And, and so one of 
when I saw Brian speak almost five years ago, he left this postcard. I just want to share it with the audience. I don't know if you remember even handing it out. I totally do. I, in fact, I can tell you what you're about to say because okay. I know. Okay. Yeah, I'd rather I'd rather that. hear it. I'd rather hear it from uh, from your wonderful okay. voice. This, this is these are the four statements that I read in a book of philosophy like 25 years ago, and they've been okay. so life changing. Like I wrote them, typed them out and put them in the front of my daily planner 25 years ago. And I've still got it in my daily planner today at the front. And in another month, it's going to get into my next year's daily planner. Right. Yeah. So please, please share those. (laughs) That's awesome. Statements, right. Yep. Feast upon uncertainty, fatten upon disappointment, invigorate in the presence of difficulties and enthuse over apparent defeat. And even though you talk about adversity, defeat, you know, difficulties, that's that's the the world. But the first four words invigorate, you know, uh, enthuse. Um, uh, These are it doesn't matter what happens to you in business or in your personal life. There is no situation that comes up that can't be looked at in the light of those four statements and you'll figure out how to move through it. It's the most uncanny bit of philosophy that that has helped me through, you know, horrific, you know, problems within businesses and also home front with, you know, kids and, you know, all the life choices you have to make in a family and everything. You know, if you can enthuse over a parent defeat, that that's like a beauty because you you know defeat's not a real word until the minute you give up right as soon as you give up you're defeated but the minute you, you as long as you can keep holding on even even if it's with your fingernails you'll never ever be defeated new listener the quickest way to get up to speed here at habits to goals to understand how it is you are going to craft intentionally the good supportive habits that will help you reach your goals more quickly. The process we follow is PAR. Plan, act, record, and reassess. That's it. It's fairly simple. You have three ways to get your free tracking sheet, which will get you straight up to speed very quick. So you can go to thehabitfactor.com forward slash templates. You can text the word habits, H-A-B-I-T-S, to 33444. And (laughs) finally, to give you additional resources, just use your favorite search engine or and or Google and just type PAR, P-A-R-R, and the habit factor. For those of you looking for a super, super deep dive on habit, the book, that's right, it's almost 10 years old. Check out the habit factor on Kindle. It is, I believe it's $3.99 or $4.99, practically free. Of course, it gives you not just a deep dive on habit, but, but really walks you through the habit factor process. So there are a handful of options for the new listener. Well, I look, I love it so much. I, I posted these in the office. I, I realized when I was bringing you on the, on the call here on the show, I ripped it off the wall, put it down. And I'm like, we must talk about this. It's, it's brilliant. What what did you say the source is again? Well, it's a book of philosophy. It's like a 
compilation of science, religion, and philosophy. It's okay. called the Urantia, U-R-A-N-T-I-A, Urantia book. Okay. And, and well. it, it, it was published a long time ago, but it's the most futuristic look at, you know, God, the universe, our whole solar system, and, and you know, life as it is today. It's a, it's a brilliant book. It's a, it's a pretty intimidating book, but it's, you know, it's something I just keep reading and reading and reading because every Beautiful. time I read it, I get something new out of it. Yeah, that is so good. And that's what I was going to say about lyrics. I, I can tell you I've heard, going back to that, that Pink Floyd song, um, I'd heard it probably thousands of times. And then when you five years ago mentioned that line, I was like, wow, that is unbelievable. And that, that happens all the time. So, so it's feast upon uncertainty, fatten on disappointment, enthuse over apparent defeat and invigorate in the presence of difficulties. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. That's so fantastic. All right. I'm getting so excited. I got to, I got to get back on track here. So, so UG just continues to grow. And then ultimately you're, you're doing like 17 million in sales and, and cash flow becomes a problem. So, so your next before, strategy. Before you, before you go there, Martin, can oh, I, sure. can I just sort of steer you in a little bit different direction? Absolutely. Because, absolutely. Yes. Because it's important to know how we came from 28 pairs. Oh yeah. To having you. business. Right. Uh, and, uh, there's the, the the good thing that came out of that horrible beginning was that eventually I wrote this book called The Birth of a Brand. And the theme of the book is that you can't give birth to adults. <laughs> I and, love that. Yes. And every every business that started, if you look, you know, the well, every business, you know, whether it's a sandwich shop or a you know, TV, TV sitcom or a New religion, it all starts with someone conceiving it and then taking the first action, which is the birth. So the birth of UG was me buying six pairs of samples, right? Sure. And then, and then every business or movement just goes into this infancy and it just lies there. And, you know, that's when, unfortunately, most entrepreneurs give up because they've had the big aha, they're going to make millions, they launch it, and it just sits there. And the problem is that, you know, an infant can't get up and go to college. Right? <laughs> That's right. An and as long as you can nurture your business through that infancy, eventually it'll start to toddle. And that's when, you know, the first buyers are talking about you and the magazines are writing articles about you and there's, you know, traction. And that quickly goes into the youth phase where you've got consistent orders and consistent production and the shipping and receiving's working and the accounting's working. And, you can run a really good business in that youth phase, you know, up to 20 million, 25 million. But if it's a really, really good service or product, you're going to hit the teenage years. Mm-hmm. And you can recall when you were a teenager, you wanted to be in every party in town. <laughs> the same thing happens in business. You, you think now you're so slick and clever that you want to be in every big trade show in the country and every mass merchandiser. And it's a recipe for disaster because you can outstrip your capital so quickly. And I almost lost Doug a couple of times in that 
teenage phase, but eventually, you know, the accountants put all the controls in and it becomes mature. <laughs> you became so, an adult. So I'm going to backtrack to that infancy, right? We, yep. Okay, we sold 5,000 pairs, uh, sorry, $5,000 worth that next season. And then I thought I'm going I'm to advertise. So I got these hot-looking models and posed them on the beach at Wind and Sea and, you know, down here in La Jolla in San Diego. Yep. And you know, had the, had them posed so that the boots were front and center. You know, the major part of the ad was that these big, tall, white boots that the girl was wearing. And uh, I ran those ads and the sales went to like 10,000. <laughs> I got another summer job and this next year I hired better-looking models and a more expensive photographer, <laughs> and, you know, posed them on the beach again. And, and the sales went to like, you know, dollars $20,000. And... I, that was a point where I decided I, I'm going to get out of this. This is never going to work. You know, Americans don't get it. And I, before the next season started, I was, I was having a beer with one of my surf shop accounts and I was explaining that I, you know, I just was missing the mark with the advertising. And, and he just said, oh, shut up, Brian. And he calls out the back room to all these little 12, 13-year-old grommets and they come running out and he says, hey, what do you guys think of Uggs? And every one of them, just said, oh, those Uggs, man, they're so fake. Have you seen those ads? Those models can't surf. Mm. And instantly I realised I'm sending the wrong message to my target market. Mm. You know, and, I, and I started to look at the ads objectively and they were so fake and so wrong. And so, again, pivoting, um, I called a buddy of mine who was running a National Scholastic Surf Association in Orange County. I said, hey, Pete, do you have any young kids? you know, going to turn pro soon. And he gave me two young kids. And instead of hiring a special photographer, I just took my little Canon Sure Shot and we went surfing at Black's Beach in La Jolla and <laughs> trestles up in San Onofre. And, and I just snapped photographs of them walking along these roads, you know, because they're about a mile long. Yeah, and that was like Parsons, right? Yeah, and Mike Parsons and Ted Robinson, yeah. That's so great. Yeah. So, yeah, my, my, uh, my bad for for jumping over no, that's a, I know that look I know that's a major theme that, and and I love the statement you cannot give birth to yeah. adults I just want to explain myself so I I spent so much time on the postcard and uh I I jumped over that so no, my apologies that's the, a really the point, the point I was going to make is that just just using these photographs um that I took myself I ran the ads uh, that October, November, December, the sales went to two hundred thousand dollars. Incredible! What and a what a great purely, pivot! Purely because I was able to figure out what the consumer wanted. They didn't want a pair of UGG boots, but they would die. Every little kid reading Surfer magazine would die to be walking down the road to trestles with Mike Parsons and Ted right. Robinson. Right. And if you looked at the, the size of the ad, the, the size of the boots in my first ads was like one third of the whole photo. And, and the ads with Mike and Ted, you couldn't even see the boots. They were that small. So it just goes to prove that you don't ever advertise your product. You mm. have to advertise the feeling or the emotion or the benefit of what your consumer is going to get if they do buy your product. And so all these little kids are thinking, you know, shit, I'd love to be in that ad, but if, you know, if I have to buy a pair of those stupid Ugg boots, I will. You know, that, that's almost how backward it was.
Yeah, and and speaking of advertising, I know this kind of flies in the face of authenticity, but wasn't there a, a story about uh, Ms. Pam Anderson and and an ad there too? Yeah, that that was quite late in the business, and uh, you know, as we you know, we were doing probably uh, fifteen million at this stage, mm-hmm. and I wanted like I was really huge in surf. And then I'd parlayed that using the same type of advertising techniques into snowboarding and skiing. And I had a bit of a dilemma for a while with the Midwest and the back East, but I finally figured out all the kids play hockey. And so, you know, their moms have to take them to the rinks and sit in these 40 degree rinks. And so that turned out to be a huge breakthrough for sales in, in back East. But I, I had all these disjointed images and I wanted one major theme which was casual comfort and i figured the only way i'm going to do that is to get on the front page of the lifestyle section of usa today Uh. and i and i knew to get there i had to put this really slick pr campaign together so i i did that with a firm in boston and we eventually went to uh chicago to the buying office of usa today i had an appointment for uh three o'clock and we arrived at five to three and the woman, Margaret, runs out and goes, oh, Brian, I'm so sorry I've made a horrible mistake. I, I'm on a conference call at three. I've only got five minutes. And, you know, my heart sank because, I, you know, I, I, this whole, you know, um, sales pitch or, you know, presentation was 45 minutes. And so I just pivoted again and I, I pulled out an old folder I had in my briefcase which was all these old photographs of celebrities wearing Ugg boots since, since I started. You know, I had Tom Petty and Neil Young and <laughs> King and Patrick Swayze and, you know, the Grumpy Old Men movies and, you know, Brooke Shields. And, and then I flicked through this one of Pamela Anderson on the beach, you know, where, and I, I, I quickly flicked by that because nobody wears Ugg boots on the beach in a red swimsuit, you know. And, and so I go straight to Heather Locklear and she goes, no, go back, go back. Who is that? And she grabbed it out of my hands and took down the name of the photographer and the tabloid that it came from and said, you have a press kit? Yep. Got to go. You know, the, wow. the, whole thing, the whole thing took four minutes. And uh, I just really, you know, in my mind, we blew it. it cost about 60,000 bucks to put that campaign together and we got nowhere. But the next day I was in Chicago airport heading back to San Diego and I got my coffee in USA Today and I opened up, you know, the money section and then I got to the lifestyle section and here's front and center was this whole story on UGG and the second page in its entirety was nothing but the sheepskin industry and the where Sheeling's going, all the foot, you know, where brands, wow. all, the, all my competitors, which sort of pissed me off, but... <laughs> It, it, but what it did, even though that upset me that they had my competitors there, it this article took us from being a, an item, which is you know what retailers will call, oh, it's just you've just got one thing, you're an item, right? Right. But now we sheepskin was a category, and all the big department stores figured they had to be in on the latest category. And who's who's the leader of the category? Well, ugh, we were so as much as I hated seeing all my competitors listed there, that was one of the best things that ever happened because we now started getting bought into all of the biggest retailers in the country. That 
is such a great story. Yeah, casual comfort. Yeah, and like I tell you, when I left the house, my wife was wearing her Uggs. That's great. Yeah, my kids love their Uggs. Everybody yeah. loves their Uggs. And that uh, little story I told was, you know, my book is full of philosophy and spirituality, and there's a great saying in there that nearly always your most disappointing disappointments will become your greatest blessings, hmm. and that was a great example. I was so disappointed that that Margaret couldn't spend any time with me but by giving her what I did the blessing came you know when I got back to San Diego that afternoon I found out that we'd had hundreds of calls from retailers all across the country wanting to know how to stop the product <laughs> wow and, and hundreds even more than more than that of consumers calling up saying where the hell can I buy these they're where's the store <laughs> in my area you know so that one thing you know Thank God bless Pamela Anderson. Uh, she, <laughs> yes. she helped launch into a nationwide brand. And that's where we got the casual comfort image going. Well, it's, it's a brilliant, it's a, a absolutely perfect example. And in the, the, the saying that comes to mind, I think it was like Earl Nightingale. It's like success is, is the compilation of a million little things that nobody ever sees or appreciates. And then, and then boom, something like this where, yeah. where it's even a perceived, uh, you know, something that backfired or, or, or a failure all of a sudden turns into, like you said, this blessing. You know, as long as you don't give up, eventually the things will turn in your favor. Stay in the game. Well, Brian, we could keep going and going and going, and I, I hope to have you back on the show. Um, we we are rounding second base into third base. I want to, you know, speaking of philosophy, right, and spirituality, I, I'd love to hit you with a few um, routine questions that, that we like to ask on the show, given your expansive experience. Uh, I think it'll be very enlightening you are in your game for this yeah i'm up for it yeah okay so what we're gonna do but no no we're not gonna put you on the spot i just like how would you define success oh that's a good one because that's what i speak about on stage beautiful Uh, it's very very close to my heart great um would you believe that about a year and a half ago i spoke at the inc 5000 conference Mm mm-hmm there were two and a half thousand people in the audience and to be in that crowd, you had to have, you had to either be the founder or CEO of one of the fastest growing 5,000 companies in the U S right. Yep. Just to be in the room. And I, the first thing I said when I came on stage, I said, you know, put your hand up (laughs) if you feel successful and guess how many hands went up? Uh, About five. None. (laughs) None. A couple of people looked at the guys next to them, but they put their hand back down, you know. But that was so – I sort of knew what the answer was going to be because as entrepreneurs, we're never satisfied and we always think that we can – there's more to do. We can't rest yet. There's there's so many more things to make it right. And – they lose they lose sight of what success really is because they think success is three or four years down the road, maybe when they sell it or when they do, do some spectacular thing. 
but it's not the case, you know. Success isn't one big thing. Success is a series of tiny little things that you do right. Mm. And, you know, some examples from building the Ugboot brand, you know, the, the, the day I got kicked out of the, the buying office at Montgomery Ward, that, that was a big mall retailer of shoes at the time. I, I just made this my best presentation ever to the buyer and he just crossed his arms and said, Brian, what are you doing here? Oh my I, God. I was sort of dumbstruck. I said, because I'm, I'm trying to get an order for the California stores. <laughs> and he just looked at me and says, don't you get it? We're the elephants. We don't move until the mice are running around under our feet. Wow. And I instantly knew what he was talking about, that the big guys aren't going to buy until all the specialty stores are just going out of control. Mm. And it did two things for me. Number one, I felt like such a failure that I wasn't getting into the big mall stores that suddenly that got lifted off my back. That was a huge elephant off my back. Mm. And I wasn't a failure. I was just focusing on the wrong retailers. So I went back and, you know, after a couple of years, had every surf shop screaming for them, all the snowboard and ski shops were screaming for them, and that's when the big guys jumped in eventually, you know, came in along with that PR campaign. And uh, But that getting kicked out of the buyer's office was one of the most successful days I've had because I understood where to go from there. Got it. There was a time I went to the bank and I – took 15,000 bucks off my credit cards and put it in the bank account so I could pay the wages for the week. Right. That was one of the most successful things I did because two weeks later the product came in from Australia and we started shipping and we had incredible cash flow. And had I not kept the, the team together for those two weeks, we would have been out of business, you know. So success to me is a series of doing a lot of things, little things well and you know, the bottom line is if you're upright and breathing every morning, that's success, you know, because you can, your business is just something to do while you live the, your real life of family and kids and everything. So, you know, if you can, you know, be successful in all the little things that you do in the business, they're all small things, but eventually, like UG, you know, who could have seen that it would be a $2 billion a year industry today? You know, I certainly didn't know that was coming. I, I think, sorry, go ahead. And and it was just, you know, I could never have got to two billion if I hadn't uh, got through the first twenty-eight pairs and the next sixty pairs and the next five hundred pairs and the next two thousand pairs. You know, that's how it works. It's a series of little tiny things that you do that um, eventually get you to you know to be the giant. Well, and I've done probably close, I don't know if it's a hundred interviews and, and we ask this all the time and, and, and I love the insight because I, I don't think of all the answers this, this has been posed and, and the way I'm interpreting it is it's in the now. It's not in the future. It's not with the future sale. It's not when you're worth a billion dollars. It's not, it's, it's having the mentality to appreciate, to recognize when you're doing these little things. Yeah. Um, you're on the path, so you are successful. The, yeah. the, the definition that, that I love and use is, is creating your ideal future. So, no. so cashing that check, uh, was just, was just a, 
a step on that path and getting yeah. kicked out of Montgomery Awards was a step on that path. Yeah. So if you're taking those steps, um, anyways, I think it aligns really well. And I love the insight to bring it back to the now. So having said that, here's the next question. Okay. You could, <laughs> if you could go back 30 years or, or talk to your 35 year old self. Yeah. Because you're you're in the thick of it. it. What might you do different? What might you tell yourself? Uh, how would you coach yourself uh, if there's anything at all? I mean, recognizing that part I, of the power. I, I got a definite answer to that. As much as I hated accounting, I'm glad I graduated, <laughs> um, even though it took 10 years studying at night, um, because that knowledge helped me in the business. But... Uh, the, the main thing I would change is even though I was an accountant, I didn't understand finance. I didn't understand money or how it worked. Mm. And um, I mean, we were supposed to learn it in, you know, before I graduated, but I, I somehow that professor passed me where I didn't have a clue what I was talking about. <laughs> uh, and the, if I look back on the biggest problems I had from the business, it was, that success was killing me every year. Hmm. It started out that, you know, when I was doing a million dollars in sales, we were absolutely broke. And I said, okay, well, the answer is let's sell two million next year. <laughs> right. And we did. And we were twice as broke. <laughs> this is great insight. And, yeah. And, it, and it's because Find I, I didn't have the ability to forecast the cash flow requirements and that, of yeah. buying inventory more staff, staying you know, 12 months around the, the year um, in business. And, and so the more successful I got, the more um, out of control I got with, with cash flow and funding the business. So I was always in this cycle of having to buy out the last investor because they're too small to go forward with me. <laughs> and the new one coming in, you know, would be like, okay, this is the answer. We'll never need any more money than this. And and two years later, we've outgrown them. You know, we've doubled the sales twice more and I had to buy them out and bring in bigger mm. ones. And each each time I had to bring new investors in, it was like to, coming out of my equity, you know. So and, that, that cycle is something I wished if I had a understood, like now you have, you know, programs you, you buy on, uh, as an app. And it, it's a total business plan. It's got all the templates for cash flow and Excel spreadsheets and everything like that. You know, and, and part of me would have loved that because I could have forecasted where I was going to have cash flows. But had I seen the answer to that, I would not have started. You, you, would, never <laughs> heard of, you would never have heard of UG today. Right. You know, if I had known all that going in, you know. That, that's an amazing answer and one I wouldn't have expected. And, and I think it's, another brilliant insight because I mean, to be fair to yourself, accounting is, is very different, very different than, than entrepreneurial cash flow management, business management. So, so knowing the basics of accounting and understanding cash flow, um, at least as far as I know are very different. Yeah. Accounting is historical and forecasting is the future. Right. Beautiful. All right. 
As we approach third base here, we're going to be coming home. Uh, please share with us, Brian, two or three of your your best habits. These are these are habits you might attribute to your success. Okay. Well, the first one is that the you know as soon as I get up, you know sometimes I shower, sometimes I don't. I I, I meditate and it that means a lot of different things to a lot of different people and i've meditated in so many different ways over the years right now i've got the urantia book on tape so i sit down and put the earphones on and i listen to a half hour of that every morning and that centers me uh into a sort of a mental state where i'm i'm just such a small tiny cog in this immense you know universal wheel uh, so when you realize how small you are, it puts the day in perspective. And uh, then I'll usually you know, get dressed and start the day. But ideally, when I'm in a, on a good roll, I have the night before set down what my, uh, you know, to-do list is for the next day. Mm-hmm. If I do that, I have a really smooth easy successful day if i don't i drift for hours and hours and hours and get nothing done <laughs> so, so it's it, and, I, and I'm, I'm talking today you know after all these years i still am the world's greatest procrastinator and uh you know that getting the you know having that meditation quiet time first it, it, that sets off your emotional day and being organized with what you know Five tasks. Okay, I can do five tasks today. Well, five get done. But if you don't have any tasks written down, nothing will get done. Perfect. Yeah, creating that intention. Those are two uh, phenomenal habits. Did you say you're you're sometimes creating that to-do list the night before? Or are you doing that right after your meditation or sometimes? No, 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 no. Once, once the day started, it started. So, you know, uh, meditation goes to, you know, coffee and breakfast and then uh, start work. Do but, you, do you ever just uh, kind of personal side, since you mentioned so many different ways of meditation, do you ever have a notepad nearby when you meditate? Yeah, nearly always. Yeah. That's great because you're the yeah. first. You're the yeah, first yeah. that's ever admitted that or or said that. Um, I I do that all the time now. And uh, yeah, the, the problem with meditating and any sort of thought is that uh, you have to empty. You, you have a thought and it takes you off on a tangent, yeah. and suddenly you you're so far into the tangent you can't even remember what you're listening to or reading. <laughs> and so I always have a, a note book that just has one or two words to, to sort of center me. And then I, then I can forget about that and go back to listening or reading. Oh, great. Yeah. Beautiful. How about a, uh, a habit, perhaps you just mentioned procrastination. So that may be the answer, but, but a habit you're trying to break or change. And if nothing comes to mind, that's fine as well. Yeah, no, that that's you know. I think procrastination is my cross to bear. <laughs> You're not alone, sir. Yeah, that's yeah. funny. And, um, and and living in the now, you you already hit upon it. You know, the power of now is uh, is 
just one of the most important things in the world. I'm, I'm guessing you're still surfing as well? A little bit. I'm pretty lazy now. It's got to be good conditions. <laughs> well, you're up in Cardiff. Fun, yeah. fun, super fun spot. Yeah. Um, all right. How about, we're coming very close to a close, favorite books, transformational books, two or three books that that really shifted your perception in the way you think and uh, your growth curve as a human. Yeah. Well, you, me- you mentioned one too, that your, your Rancho book, right? Yeah, that, but that's, that's philosophical and religious. And, that's okay. And it's, it's brilliant because it just lays out, you know, everything. I'm just going to stop there. Um, but, <laughs> but as far as, you know, helping me in life and business, um, I've done a major transformation from you know running ARG, and then after ARG, I, I got involved in several other startups. Uh, one of which was a fantastic precast concrete wall company that we did really wow. well with for a period until the recession hit, uh, and, and some others that that failed pretty quickly. But uh, the, uh, the 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 transition I've made is to the stage because my book has done so well. Everybody said, oh, man, you should be on the stage speaking about this. And I never saw myself as a speaker, but I tried it and and it went really well. And I realized that I like doing it. And the feedback I get from the audience after, after you know, the, the talk is so affirm, reaffirming to me that, that I'm, I'm able to help people. And the... The tools I needed to do that was was one book called uh, The Alter Ego Effect mm. by, by a friend of mine called Todd Herman. And uh, he talks about when you, when you go into a new environment that you're not really comfortable with, you, you take on some alter ego and that is who performs. And he talks about, uh, you know, famous like Beyonce, she's really at heart a mom, quite happy to be at home. But when she gets on stage, she's, I forget what she calls herself, but she's a different person. Right. And this alter ego effect um, I've used every time I walk out on a stage. I go, okay, Brian, you know, uh, you know, you know, I, I say a little prayer like, you know, please God, please let me help influence at least one person in this audience today. That's beautiful. Wow. And then, I, then I take on this alter ego where it's not Brian Smith right. coming out. It's, it's the UG founder, you know, and uh, <laughs> man, I've got some stories. You know, you want to hear them? Let's go. And, <laughs> and, and that alter ego really, really helps me. So that I hope uh, your, re- your listeners can look for that book. The other one's another great book called The Introvert's Edge. Hmm. And it's written by a, another Aussie guy called Matthew Pollard. And it's the most amazing book for helping people like me. Like even though I go on the stage and I'm this personality, you know, or perceived to be a personality, I'm really a bit of a homebody and, and I'm really introverted. And I don't really like crowds and stuff like that. But when I go on stage and I, I become this persona, um, that he, he shows how introverts are really the best salespeople because they don't have that, you know, 
raucous gift of the gab like all the extroverts do. Right. Uh, they, they have to be more methodical and plan more. And so consequently, they, they have systems in place which make them better salespeople, better managers, better everything. So if you look at the, the alter ego effect and the introvert's edge, they're, they're two of the most current meaningful books that I've read. That's incredible. I think those those are going to serve me. I almost feel like this is that was a selfish question because of those answers. I I share your and I did this on an MBM a while ago, one of the Mind Bullet shows. I I am, you know, here I'm doing a, a podcast and I do speaking, but but I'm also this this introvert and uh, I prefer quiet time and yeah. not a huge fan of crowds. I don't go to concerts rarely, very rarely. And, and, you know, my wife thinks it's hilarious. So, so these are great answers for me, Brian. Thank, Thank you. Very you. Much. Thank you. <laughs> um, great, great recommendations as it relates to a tech tool, gadget, website, app, other than Surfline or your cell phone, um, is there is there some sort of tech tool, website, gadget, app that that you use daily, or maybe not so much? No, I I uh, like the phone is absolutely indispensable, which is like your own handheld computer, right? Um, but everyone's got that. Um, that's an interesting one. I think the thing I'm excited about at the moment is is a new app. Um, I, I I do consult with a very few people, but they have to have a product that I absolutely love, and they have to be past the startup stage, right? So in the in the infancy of their business, right? Because that's where I feel I can help the most. And there's a girl Nicole McDonald that I've been working with, and she's got two businesses one is this this lamb leather sash bag it's a it's a shoulder bag with pouches at the front and back on you know mm. one's in front of your hip and one's behind and it's a brilliant product and i've been working with her five or six years on that um and she just did about four million last year online it's called sash the the, the website is the sash bag.com nice so there's any any guys listening you want to be a hit with your wife at Christmas or your girlfriend. <laughs> there you go. Go check out the sash bag. Not quite as good as Uggs, but they're, they're the very, very next best. <laughs> and uh, with Nicole, I also invested in a, 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 a it's an online shopping platform, which is a cross between eBay and Home Shopping Network, Right. So we, we help people put their products into the, this little online store uh, and it's like posting stuff on eBay or on Etsy or something like that. But it's actually a shopping platform like Home Shopping Network. So you, you load up your store and then you send an email out or a, you know, Facebook out to every one of your followers and say, hey, we're having a live sale tonight at 6 p.m come on, here's, here's the address and it's called LASH, L-A-S-H, which stands for Live Action Shopping. Wow. So it's, it's LASH.live. Mm. And, uh, then people can come on and they, they just register by putting in their, their email and credit card, uh, which never gets charged unless you buy anything. And then 
you can, you know, as the the store owners, you know, get start, they, they just get up in front. It's like a FaceTime thing on your computer or on your phone. Wow. They just start showing the products and people can click and buy right there and then. And the vendors get their money that same, you know, the next day uh, minus 10%, which is the lash fee. So that that one I'm really excited about. I think it's going to have a lot of legs and it's going to be a really big retailing uh, thing for. It sounds sounds like something Facebook will, <laughs> or, or Twitter will snap up perhaps. That's, sounds, what we're, that's what we're hoping, yeah. Yeah, there you go. Uh, very cool, Brian. Well, I can't thank you enough. You are, you are a, and have been a phenomenal guest. You're an absolute natural telling and sharing your, telling and sharing your story. Um, this has been entertaining and enlightening and I wish I had another couple hours. So again, hopefully we can. I'd love to do it again. Yeah. These are good, good topics. I'd love to, and there's so much much more I didn't say, but it's all in the book, which is the book. And the book is phenomenal. So that's where we're going. Again, I keep thinking you're reading off my sheet. So as we sign off, sir, and by the way, when we sign off, I'm going to ask you to hang on so we can chat real quick. But um, so your book, again, the birth of a brand Amazon bestseller, you can find that. I just want to know if there's anything else. We're going to, of course, link to your your website, which I believe is briansmithspeaker.com. I saw some great nostalgia there, um, yeah. some some all-time classic shots and ads for UGG. But if there's anything else, sir, you'd like to promote, uh, feel free. And Okay. Well, the only thing is that I love speaking to entrepreneurs and small business people. And even sophisticated business people, because they they have a different takeaway. They they go, oh shit, I remember that. <laughs> oh right. shit, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, we did that too, you know. So the the book and my talk is all about more about disasters than you know. I hardly, I don't even mention the sale of the company on my stage talk. I just talk about all of the, the disasters that we overcame that made it, you know, the brand sure. that it is today. So. My my ask is that if any of you listeners uh, uh, belong to companies or uh, entrepreneurial organizations, uh, that you contact me through my website and uh, let's start a dialogue about me coming to talk to you because that's, that's my passion these days. That's what I love doing. That would be fantastic. As I said, I I still remember very clearly when you spoke to our group and, and – uh, I've been thinking about doing this for many years, so I'm glad we finally, yeah, finally were able to make it happen, Brian. So final, final words. I'm actually going to. This is going to be tricky. I'm going to see if I can do this one more time. I want to. I want to send off with the music, and then you. Uh, I'm trying to think the order. I'm going to play the music. And then you have some final words to say goodbye, and then we're done. And then again, hang on, and we'll chat quickly. Sounds good. So here we go. Brace yourself. (laughs) 
And there it is. Brilliant, Brian. Say goodbye. Okay, well, well, everybody listening, just remember that the highest goal of our time on earth is to try and unselfishly love as many people as we can. So I'll leave you with that. Wow. Heavy, brilliant, wonderful philosophy right there. All right. Goodbye, H2G audience. Thank you very much. Brian, once again, you are absolutely brilliant. Thanks for having me, Matt. It was great. Amazing. Hey, really quick, I just want to remind you, if you want to grab your habits and goals tracking template, the template that started it all, you can get that really quickly. Just text me at 33444 and simply text the word habits that is habits h-a-b-i-t-s to 33444 and you will get the tracking template immediately all right thank you so much for listening to the show thanks for dropping a quick review it'll take you less than 30 seconds if you're getting value i'm out